Hey guys, Barney here with a little update. I want to give a quick thanks to AB Universe for sponsoring The Big Top. Taking over production responsibilities has been a huge undertaking, and I'm extremely grateful to have such a fantastic sponsor, whose products I have used for years and can personally vouch for. You can now use my promo code BIGTOP to get 10% off your order at abuniverse.com. That's abuniverse.com. Thanks again to ABU for sponsoring this podcast. Let's blow this pop stand! And welcome to The Big Top. I am your host, Barney, and today I am joined by none other than Kaiser, a master leatherman and handler who's deeply embroiled in the London fetish scene and an expert at making pups like me squirm. Today's story time comes from Pup Extra, who actually sent in two emails, so I've combined them. Ayo, Bork, long-time listener, first-time caller. I'll start with compliments, so you keep reading. I messaged you on Recon when I first encountered your clownings because my need to understand what makes people tick is far greater than my shyness. When I saw the episode for Newsy with the clown, I was like, oh wow, I'm so proud of that clown guy. I mistakenly listened during a high traffic Cambridge rush hour commute, and it was the longest to finish episodes I've ever taken, or however that would be said in proper English. (laughs) I just kept laughing. And when you said the line about when the sex started, I was like, where are the clowns? I had to stop listening and call up my best friend and share. The rest of the episode was full of pauses and cry laughing. I'm glad you started the big top. I actually didn't listen at first because I work in healthcare and my life is stressful and I save up your episodes for decompressing. When I started, however, I was not ready for all the crying. I cried at every episode. Why I cry, probably best for a therapist to word out, but well done. I make people listen to your depression episode a lot. I actually did two things on my long time to-do list during that episode. Wow. Kink play is all fun and games until real life gets in the way. I was at someone's house, they got padded and into a onesie, and we were cuddling. As happened sometimes, we got into an argument. Cuddle stopped, sad times, and the argument got heated. I decided I would leave and went to put my shoes on. They were very angry, and the argument went back and forth till they go, grow up extra. At which point, I just had to evaluate my life choices because I had just been told to grow up by a grown human in a nappy and a onesie. (laughs) I knew they would not have seen the funny side, so I left. To this day, this story still makes people smile. Bork, woof, pup, extra. Wow, uh... That meant a lot to hear, and, and thank you for your story. Please do keep sending these into thebigtop.pod at gmail.com. That's thebigtop.pod at gmail.com. And if you rate and review this podcast, especially on Apple Podcasts, I can personally guarantee an 80 to 20% chance of great karmic potential. Today, the circus remains in London, England, and I invite you to join me as we go under the big top. Hi! <laughs> <laughs> Are we recording? Yeah, it's got the red dots. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Red dots is always a good sign. I love it when, when I see red dots. Red dots aren't always a good sign. I take that back. When you see a red dot, if you see a red dot appear on your shirt, run. Because it's a sign. Uh, yeah, you, you, I think it's a good idea to run. It, not that it's going to make a big difference if, got, if they've got a red dot. <laughs> not that we're here to kink shame. <laughs> I just want to draw attention to the fact that uh, it is 11 a.m. and you are 
head to toe in leather, which I'm very impressed by, and no one is going to see. <laughs> well, everyone is going to hear it. <laughs> but also, um, this is my kind of default outfit anyway. So this is even my friends who are non kinky, who are non gay, uh, they know that this is this is what I wear. So once in a while, once in a blue moon, I I wear cotton. <laughs> And when I do, people look at me and go, uh, are you okay? I've never seen you in this outfit without any leather. So, or, so head to toe leather, you always got a leather shirt on, gloves, hat. <laughs> I always have a, a large amount of leather on. Wow. Um, I even have some leather where I, I can actually sleep or relax in them. So okay. like le- leather jogging pants and leather t-shirt. <laughs> Okay, wow. How all what all year round, summertime, wintertime, leather yeah, football season? It, it does not matter to me. <laughs> wow. Okay. So I, in the summer, I have some leather shorts. With That's leather crazy. <laughs> As somebody who sweats profusely at like the sight of leather, that is insane to me. Well, I guess I'm lucky. I, I, I really don't sweat that much. I used to be like that, and then something happened. I don't know what happened. My metabolism changed or something. I didn't used to be a sweater, and now I'm like... If I walk out the house too quickly, it's over. Is it age? It, it, for real? I'm so old. <laughs> okay, what got you into leather then? How did the... Because like, to wear leather every day, you kind of have to love it. Not really. I hate it, actually. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, it started very early, actually. When I, I think I was about 10 or 11. My dad used to travel a lot for work because uh, I'm from Madagascar originally. I'm partly French. But um, he used to travel a lot for his work uh, and he used to collect leather jackets. So um, once in a while, I'd go into his closet and get a leather jacket, put it on. And I just felt, it felt really good. The smell of it, the feel of it. And I think that's where it started. And then I remember my grandma getting me a leather jacket, my first leather jacket. And uh, the thing is that it was so frustrating for me because I couldn't wear it whatever I wanted. (laughs) It was a a special occasion kind of jacket. So like to go to church or wedding or something. But I remembered where she put it. So when she would, <laughs> when, when she went to the market, I would climb on a chair and then grab it and just wear it and then parade around the, the flat with it. <laughs> and I remember one day she came back a bit earlier than I expected. And she was like, what are you doing? Put that back now. <laughs> And I was so sad. I was like, well, what's going on? I like it. Uh, and the thing is that at the time, I think it, it might not have been real leather either. But um, I, yeah, I had a, an attraction to leather very early. Uh, what? Yeah. That's, I mean, that, that all totally makes sense to me. But I'm thinking, what is it really that like... Because we all have these things that make us feel funny as kids and we don't quite understand why. And I totally understand that, like, especially something that you can't have all the time and it's special is definitely, like, kind of exciting. But then as you became an adult, were there, like, main 
adult experiences that shaped that kink for you? Or was this just like, as a kid from the get go, as soon as you started developing sexually, you were like, it's gotta be leather. I think for me, when I started, you know, my first contact with leather when I was about 10, 11, none of it was actually sexual. It didn't feel like it was sexual. Yeah. So that came before the sexual side of it. Now the sexual side of it, I really you know, experimented around the age of 18 uh, onwards. So the first time I met somebody to play with was when I was 18, because I, wa- I didn't want to do anything before that. I was like, okay, 18, I'm an adult, I can do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. Da, da, da. It, it was a scary experience, but um, ultimately it happened. And the guy said, oh, I've got this leather hood. If you want to try it on, I never saw it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so after that, I was like, I'm going to get my own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so I started building my my gear when I, when I was about like, 17, 18. Um, and those would come from secondhand shops mainly. And I remember I used to live with my auntie in Paris and she said, uh, are you not hot wearing all that leather? I was wearing a leather uh, a jack- a suit jacket and leather trousers in summer. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. <laughs> But yeah, I think it started fairly early for me. And originally, I don't think it was necessarily attached to sexuality. But yeah, I just like, I think the sensation, the feel of it, the smell of it, it's a very sensory mm. experience. So would you say then that like, that's the main kink? Or did you kind of discover other things and then they met it? Or is it just like, that's the main one? And then I've, I've I dabble in other stuff? Um. I'd say it's on par with uh, bondage, rope bondage. Oh, okay. Um, and it's another thing that I experimented with as a child. Of course. <laughs> Who doesn't? <Sounds> really weird. <laughs> <laughs> but um, with my cousins, uh, we used to play in the summer. And um, someone would suggest, oh, let's, let's play hide and seek. And then someone might have said what if we find that person we should tie them up and put them under the bed (laughs) (laughs) so yeah there was there was something there from the (laughs) (laughs) get-go and and the funny thing is for me is that i grew up in africa i grew grew up in madagascar and there was no internet at the time i know that's showing my age Mm -hmm. (laughs) There was no well, internet. Because you're 57. Was... No, 75. <laughs> oh, sorry, 75. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there was no internet. There was no magazines. Well, there were magazines, but none of them had kink in it. Not sure. that I remember. So I'm like, where is this from? It's it's not coming from outside. It's coming from me, really. And I still don't know where it comes from, but I'm just enjoying it now. Yeah, that's so cool, actually, because we talk a lot on this podcast about, you know, more the what than the why of kink. But like, there is something to we all can link certain things to certain experiences. But then there is just this desire. And it's like, however, that manifests is whatever's around you or whatever you figure out. But there does seem to just be this thing that 
we have that's there from the get-go. And it's funny that yeah. even when you're not surrounded by quote-unquote kinky things or things that you can... I mean, anything can be sexy. And if you're kinky, you just... You get... you Something... It'll be something. What that thing is doesn't really matter. It's like... I, I totally agree. It's just like... Um, for me, it's like an interpretation of the same thing. So it's the way you see that thing. So it could be leather, it could be feet... Mm-hmm. Or sportswear, because for me, for me, sportswear, for instance, is not a fetish at all. Because I used to play volleyball in in teams, and it's yeah, for me, it's a it's a practical thing. But that's the way I see it. So it's it's the way you see things, and it's in some ways, it's kind of a a Buddhist approach to life. It's like your perception of things that makes it true to you. Yeah, and really, that's what it is. This gone deep really quickly. Hey, this is the deep podcast. <laughs> We're here to discover the um, truth about it, the universe. I just gave it to you. Oh, thanks. Cool. We're done. <laughs> um, but it's, 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 yeah, it's that perception of, but leather is not just um, a material. It's, it's, it's more than that. And, and the thing is that for me, it's also attached to that kind of, um, everyone's seen the, the odd, uh, cowboy movie mm. where people get tied up and all that yeah and and there used to be that um series that i used to watch called uh, wild wild west or something like that yeah and people always get tied up in it wearing chaps and uh, gloves and things and it was like oh this is cool and i didn't know why but yeah. i kind of enjoyed watching it but yeah, yeah. Was there a natural transition for you then into the master-slave scene? That's sort of an extension of leather for me because leather's got that kind of power attached to it mm-hmm. and kind of darkness attached to it. And that was part of my journey later on. Um, but I could do without it <laughs> in, in some ways. <laughs> you know, like it's not necessary to me. As long as I've got leather and ropes, it's fine. But... Um, I've experienced both sides and I thought, oh, okay, this is interesting. Um, and it gets me the power to actually, when I dorm, it gives me the power to actually make people wear more leather. <laughs> See, now you're speaking my language. Now you're speaking my language because I love being dressed up and I love being made to wear. Actually, that was a really, really fun thing that somebody uh, did. I, I was at uh, our mutual friends in Berlin and his master came around and I was going to bed. I was done for the night. I'm like going to bed and he's like, no, you know, you're coming out. I'm like, what? <laughs> no, no, I'm going to sleep. Like right now I'm getting into bed. He's like, no, no, we're going to this leather event. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, I mean, I don't have any leather, so I'm going to bed. No, he's like, no, 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 I'm come on. We're, we're putting you in the leather now. And so I was like, okay. <laughs> and he just dressed me up <laughs> head to toe. I felt like, I was wearing a costume. I felt like I was somebody else. And we get on the Uban like a fully, like I'm wearing leather chaps, everything, everything, the whole, the whole thing. And I just felt like, yeah, it was, it was really crazy. It was so much fun. I loved, I love that. Have you seen my leathers? Um, no, because the first time we met. Um... <laughs> <laughs> that is true. So I guess my work is done. <laughs> And our friend's work is done. I mean, that sounds pretty much like uh, like him because um, <laughs> the amount of times, because um, I went to visit him as well last, last summer. 
and he introduced me to some of his um, board game friends yeah. and leather friends, and it was so so much fun. And but they were playing this really complex um, board game, and I just can't follow that kind of thing. So I just like installed myself by the couch, and I started snoozing and snoring. <laughs> I was so tired as well. And then after uh, they finished, he said, oh, let's go out. I was like, what? It's late. <laughs> and he said, no, we're going to go out to New Action and things. So it was, um, and then we had a really good time there. I still haven't been to New Action. Going to have to make you do it. Okay. <laughs> I'll be there soon, so. Not as soon as I'll be. I'm not going to be there for Folsom. <laughs> No, no, I totally understand. The thing is that I haven't been for like six, seven years. I don't, I can't remember where I went last time. Uh, for that, anyway. So this is a good opportunity for me to do it. Last year was um, my first one, so I was so excited to do it this year, and I, I just, it didn't work out. Like I'm, I have to be somewhere else, and but. And that's totally fine. It's the thing is, um, sometimes you put too much pressure on attending those events. Yeah. And it's really, it really shouldn't be that way. It should be enjoyable. So yeah, um, we're the only times that fun. I could go, the times I could go, I was like, oh, yeah, great. And then let's do that because I have friends there as well. And But the times that I couldn't, I was like, okay, fine. I'll do whatever is here. So it's, it's, just, it's just been okay with whichever outcome it is. Uh, and this, this year, I'm actually going with my pup and my leather boy. So and it's their first fossil and it's kind of Aww. exciting. I, oh God, I remember the first time I met your pup. I had no, I, I had no idea. <laughs> he was, he, for some reason, he wasn't in gear. It was at this pup event and he wasn't in gear. He was just walking around and I was like, I only noticed him because I was like, you're the one person here not in gear. And it just meant that I like kept my eye on him. Like, what are you, what are you doing here? Who are you? <laughs> um, I wonder what you think of, I wonder what you would think of my leathers because I have, a leather clown suit and it's very colorful <laughs> oh no i've all oh, that i've seen because i've seen a picture of uh k2 my pop with you mm-hmm. uh it was the only one of the rare leather socials that i could not attend so i remember that and i was like what is it's actually leather uh-huh. i thought it was robbie at first and it's actually leather so yeah i'm impressed i'm impressed, I'm mm-hmm. impressed. there's colorful shorts to go and with that robert that robbie outfit that you oh, got yeah. me. That's just awesome. It's, I mean, to some extent, what we're doing is a bit of a drag as well. Totally. <laughs> it's Halloween. So, <laughs> like it's... Exactly. Every day. So the thing is, um, there's elevated looks. Mm-hmm. And when it becomes, for me, it, it, when it becomes interesting, is when you personalize it and make it yeah. you. Not that, you know, because I like uniforms, so to some extent, there's also, there's always going to be this kind of um, format to it. But at uh-huh. the same time, you can make it, twist it a little bit to make it you. And I think that's great. And I saw that Robert outfit and I was like, whoa, this is elevated. <laughs> <laughs> this is another level. I so kind of the... felt like I was coming at it the other way. Rather than like elevating a rubber outfit, I was like, I just want to be a clown. But if I make it rubber, people are going to like it. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it worked. I liked it. And I'm, I'm, it's not even my fetish yet. Mm-hmm. Yet. <laughs> See, uh, uh-huh. you heard that, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, I have a question for you, because I'm getting into leather. And 
I don't know much about like the protocol. I don't know much about the sort of old school. Basically, my question is, what's up with the old guard? Because everything that I've heard, every time people use that term, it is always like paired with like toxic or red flag or like and and I want to kind of understand what what that is and why it has that perception. It's uh, the old guard thinks got a bad reputation because it involves rules and the way you need to address people and a sort of hierarchy which everyone is fighting against these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is that old guard is not that common in the UK, from my not my own knowledge. Like it would be kind of small pockets of uh, people doing it. There are people doing it in Europe. There are people doing it in the UK, but. Uh, it's more on a one-on-one kind of basis. Old guard to me is having that, um, like a head of a household and mm-hmm. uh, you've got a household and there's a hierarchy. Um, I'm the head of my household, like my kinky household, but ultimately between K1 and K2, uh, K1 is my leather boy and K2 is my leather pop. They're on the same level to me. Now, if other people might, join that group maybe they will be at the same level or below them so it's it it's basically like a family tree that's how i understand it now the thing with old god in the us because i went to iml this year thanks to a very very nice friend who invited me to go there from what i understood there it's very uh, difficult to kind of get into those groups because you need to be referred by somebody who's in the group as a potential uh, boy or sub, and you have to start at the bottom of the hierarchy. Right. So you have to work your way up. And their approach to it is very, very meticulous. So to be able to go up the ladder, you need to show that you're involved by doing things like charities, for instance, Mm -hmm. which I don't think is part of the old guard here in the UK that much. Mm-hmm. I think for for us here, it's more like a sexual thing. Yeah. So for them, there's the sexual side, but also the social side to it, which is as important. So um, I was really astounded that you need you needed somebody who's already in the house to refer you for you to be even considered. Uh-huh. And they have this thing called um, the pledge, which um, basically you're telling the household that you want to join them. And it's, there's loads of um, practices within that group. So it's almost sometimes it feels a bit like a sect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what in, I was in that... thinking. But I mean, I don't know, I'm conflicted because there's there's things that, about it that, I mean, I, I hate rules and traditions. However, <laughs> <laughs> however, I How love was... found family and community. So it seems like it seems to me, and also those things, rules and traditions can be fun if like they're agreed together. Do you know what I mean? I'm all about fun. So so long as we're having fun, that's fine. If it's like you have to do my thing because this is the prescribed thing, then that feels mm. like everything that kink shouldn't be like fuck what society tells us we can be. So I'm kind of like in two minds about it because on the one hand that does sound kind of cool it sounds like a drag family it sounds like it is it is uh, um, but i think it's, it's it does have that kind of sense of it does provide that sense of belonging mm. that you know a lot of us didn't necessarily have as a child yeah you know in terms of friendship or sometimes as you know in terms of family 
So it does provide that. And um, for instance, for uh, Kiwan's birthday, we all got together and Kiwan's got his own boy too. So he joined us and we, we spent a day together. In non, I was still the head of the household, but not in that instance. Mm -hmm. I was not just having fun together. Yeah. So like, um, and as much as that, I'm the head of the household, I do take on their point of view. Yeah. Um, so it's not, in that sense, it's not as much of a, a strict kind of approach to being Dom in, in, in many ways, uh, which is interesting because I'm reading at the moment a book by um, Sir J. Tobias, who actually wrote a book about a leather domination uh, and leather, more precisely, it's leather mentorship. Mm -hmm. Super interesting in the sense that he uh, described the kind of the types of relationships that you could have um, because it's a two-way street. So both people have to sort of be in a place where they have good intentions, the sub, but also the master and the other way around. And I've learned this new, well, it, was, it was new to me, um, concept of a soft dom or the soft master. Mm. And I was like, what is this? So it's the kind of master that, would speak to you, make sure that you're okay constantly, which is the job of most masters, yeah. I'd say. But um, in a very soft manner, as in not equal, but kind of, it's very much about communication and conversation. And they are, they're there as mentors to you in play, but also in life. And I was, I'm like, that's, that's interesting because it's, it's more than just the sex and... Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing that I really love. I love that idea because, like, I don't want to... I don't want to... On the one hand, I do want to rail against anything that's gatekeeping what kink should be or judging others because they don't fit into your prescribed thing. That's not what kink's about. It's about accepting all mm -hmm. of us. But I... I do also want to acknowledge that this was born out of having to find family. This was born out of where you know, we're, we're cast out of our communities and so we've created our own. And so that's where this has all come from. And so I really, really love that idea of like, as your master, I'm mentoring you through life. I am, and you know, people do that with different things. It's like, oh, you're my daddy or mm -hmm. whatever. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to take on that role that you were missing in life or whatever that is, which I think is such a beautiful thing because as somebody who's been in therapy for a long time, you know, learning that I had to sort of like be the parent for myself that I never had sucks, but it's like, that's what you do as an adult. And so it's nice to get to act these things out. Mm. Is And I think a kink is an expression of that in many ways. Um, but it, it that's one of the advantages of um, old guard, I would say, is to have that sense of belonging to a group, mm -hmm. to people who actually care and things. Now, as I said, it's not very common in the UK because in the UK, from my experience, it's more like, oh, let's have sex. I think you're cute. And then bye. Next. Right. You know, <laughs> it's, yeah, that, that's, that's how I feel. Yeah. Um, and I've been lucky enough to have some playmates who are regular playmates as well. Uh, you know, depending on their work and their mm. life and their family. But um, I was like, oh, I. I want more than that. I want yeah. a little family where we can do things together, uh, support each other in many ways. For instance, 
<clears throat> K1 was presenting at Oxford Pride. So I had never been to Oxford Pride before. So I was like, you know what? Let's go all together. And K2 was there and he met some uh, other pops as well, uh, representing um, Europe there. And it was, it was just a really nice day out. And just being there, you know, when someone needed support, if it's possible, why not? So that is really fun. And we've had a few instances where we, um, the boys would book a hotel and then we just spend the night in a hotel, hmm. in, um, you know, a king, queen size bed <laughs> <laughs> with two meters in between. Us. <laughs> and then I'd wake up in the morning and they're on top of each other. <laughs> okay, before I ask about them specifically, I just wanted to get your opinion on this image of old guards. We've talked about why maybe that is that it that it has this uh, this kind of negative connotation that's that's come in in recent years. Do you think that's something that can change? Is what I want to know because I've spoken to people who've said you know that this is kind of dying out. It's it's sort of served its purpose and it, it doesn't exist in the same way anymore. But do you think it's something that like can still find relevance today? Or do you think it's just going to kind of become more of an individual person's preference thing? I think I'd, like anything, things have evolved with time, um, with experience as well. But I think it's going to be there forever. At least that's what I hope. The shape of it might change. So it might not be as a one kind of block of old guard is this. You know, it's a bit like jazz. Jazz is not just one type of jazz. There's many different types. So I think it's still going to be there. It's just that the shape of it might change. And like anything involving humans, there's a big part that's unpredictable. And it's so difficult to figure out people's intentions. And that's the important part. Because if it comes from a good place, I think it's... It shouldn't lead you to uh, a place where you feel like you're being taken advantage of or being used. Any kind of negative impacts that old guard would have on us. So it's kind of, it has to be responsible from both sides. Mm -hmm. And uh, doms need to understand that, but also subs need to understand that. You know, if if you're saying as a sub, I'll be there. You know, keep your word. Yeah. Of course, you know, it's like if you get caught in an accident, that's different. And But it's not using the dom as the person who's going to bring all your fantasies to life. And then that's it. And then you move on to yeah. the next one. I, I guess, I mean, kink is a negotiation, right? So on the, I'm just all about what feels good. Do what feels good. And if that feels good to you, absolutely do it. Just don't tell other people what not to do, you know? No, it's, it's it's very true. And being someone who works in schools, the more I spend time in schools, the more I'm thinking oh, all these limitations. A lot of the times, I create I created them. They're not even real in some ways. Right. Yeah. And but once in a while, you have a child who's sees outside the box, and then you're like, wait, actually, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> this is what I'm doing. Because I remember this child who um, was very um, mischievous at school. Well, that's how we perceived him, really. But um, and I said, uh, I sat next to him one day and said, you know what, 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 what's the matter? Tell me, like, why, why did, you, why did you behave this way? And and he said, oh well, sir, I don't, I'm not sure if you understand. And I said, well, just tell me, give it a go, and 
he said, sir, I'm not made to follow a structured day like it is in school. He said, everything is, you have to do this at a certain time, mm -hmm. you can't go to the toilet, and you have to be here at this time, you have to da, da, da. And he said, I'm not like that. For me, for me, it feels like a prison. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait, <laughs> you're so right. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I couldn't tell him that. I was like, okay, take on your, your position on board. But that's what, kind of what it is. For me, education as schools, there are some positive byproducts. Like in my case, for instance, maybe I would have never been able to speak English if mm -hmm. I, I didn't go to school. I went to a good school and an international school. But at the same time, for me, that's a byproduct of education. Education as such is formatting people. Yes. That's what it is. Yeah. And a lot of times when you don't fit in, in, in that format, it causes loads of trauma. It, um, it uh, keeps you, it cuts you off from the rest, which is also a strategy to kind of make you comply. Oh yeah. Because humans are very, a social type of being. And when you cut off, you're like, whoa, <laughs> I, I want to be part of that. So, and <laughs> this is a, this is deep. And I Dude, can feel that, I could you know, talk about this forever. Cause like I went to the type of school where we were, we were broken down and it was like, you have to become this thing and you have to like tickle these boxes. And I just didn't fit in there. And I left school thinking that I was a, a stupid person. <laughs> like I was so beaten down by this system and they just were so frustrated with me and I just couldn't do anything right. On top of which, that then was like, there was a whole culture around, well, if you didn't fit in, then you didn't fit in with anyone. You didn't fit in with the community and you were the problem child and you were always going to, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so it put you on the fringes and it left you open to a lot of danger and like, fuck man, abuse was rife in, in, in that environment. And it wasn't until I, years later, that a lot of this stuff started coming out and people started talking about things that were going on, like at the school where I was. And I was like, yeah, no, I was there for that. I remember that. And, and you just couldn't do anything about it. You couldn't say anything. And ugh. But then I also got a good education. Like, great. I mean, pfft. You know, I, I'm privileged in that way, but yeah. And it was what I mean, because for a long time, I felt a bit, um, I felt some guilt in some ways to say, why are you denigrating the thing that allows you to be able to speak a language, to live in another country and, you yeah, know, being yeah. gay and things. Um, but I was thinking about that's a byproduct of what it was, because the original purpose is for me to, develop that sense of guilt of not doing the right thing that doesn't serve me but serves some other people if that makes sense I just can't. yeah so it's kind of um i guess leather for me is an out outlet for that as well because over the years it allows me to feel like i'm myself but also do it doing it outside wearing my leathers outside i always feel like it's not it's not dressing up for me it's just like this is me and I actually don't give a fuck about what you think. <laughs> that's, that's what it, that's what it feels like. Um, and because that's how you present yourself, then people's reaction, I mean, 99.99 for me has been actually positive. People are complimenting you. And I remember going out in leather in, uh, in the summer a few, few years back. And there were guys, street guys, sitting on, um, 
on a cafe and they waved at me and I said, or I waved back and I said, oh, oh, I really, I really hats off, man, because you, you're wearing this gear out and it's hot and you, you're rocking it. So I was like, oh, thanks. And that's it. And then just move on. Yeah. But it, when it gets to that point, you're like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm doing something right. <laughs> it's been authentic to yourself. It's so it. powerful. It also, like, it's something that I keep checking myself and being like, wow, I can do this. That's crazy. Because I thought this was the worst part of myself. I thought this was the most embarrassing part of myself. And only when I started being like, guys, I want to dress as a clown. Like, what? That people were like, wow, that's really cool. Like, even actually, I was at MRM and out in that rubber clown suit. And yeah, like, straight guys walk by and they're like, whoa, that's crazy. That's so cool. And I'm like, yeah, actually it is. I'm not going <laughs> to let anyone give me shit about it. Being yourself and being authentic is the bravest thing. And yeah, no one prepares you. No one teaches you how to do it. You've got to figure it out on your own. And it feels so scary every single time. But it is so powerful. And the second you see someone being cool and chill about being themselves, it's the best. It's the it's the coolest thing. You relax yeah. and you're like, and it, they're cool. And it makes you it makes you want to go. Oh, what's my thing? Uh -huh. And it, it and it's really it really helps in that sense. Um, yeah, authenticity is one of the my favorite qualities. I wouldn't even say it's quality. So it's the way of being. And it's so difficult to do yeah. because we format formatted not to do that and not to stand out and not to sound a certain way. Yeah. Uh, my, my, my partner, for instance, struggled for a very long time in school too because he felt like he, he, he didn't fit in, that he was not able and all that. And he, he, drug it, he drug it on to the very late age yeah. and yeah. unless you deal with it in some ways. For me, it was um, when I was at school. It was a case of oh, I'm not part of the cool crowd. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm this geeky guy. Um, they used to call me bisex, and I never really understood why until later. <laughs> uh, and the reason why I understood it is because I worked in a school as a teacher, and then one of the students, uh, two other students, came and said goodbye, uh, and I said, "Sir, are you leaving? We're leaving." They were a really nice class. Um, so could you tell us, like, what are you? <laughs> was like, what does that mean? But okay. So what do you think I am? And he went, well, you know, uh, this student is straight. This, this one is gay. This one is bisexual. No one cares. It's the 21st century. Um, so what are you? So I said, okay, what do you think? I said, um, uh, we think you're bi. Oh, oh, really? Okay. What makes you think that I'm bi? I said, because sometimes you're really camp and sometimes you're really butch. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, uh -huh. this is what they meant by bisexual. <laughs> um, and I only told my mom, uh, my late mom, fairly late that that happened in the school. She was not aware. And she was like, I didn't know this was happening. I know about some stuff, some stuff, but I didn't know this was happening. So, yeah, for me, working in schools actually kind of put a closure on a lot of things mm. that happened when I was a, in school as a student. In the school where I am now, I remember this funny time where during the pandemic, we used to sit them down in the hall. So year group by year group. And then so that they wouldn't uh, cross paths mm -hmm. and kind of cross contaminate. 
whichever. So I was walking past the U7, so U7s are 11, 12. And this really funny kid who um, was waving at me, he was like, hi, sir. And as a joke, I just put my, uh, whatever I was holding by my face uh, as if to kind of mm-hmm. ignore them. Um, they know I do this all the, all the time to, to kind of joke with them. And so he thought, oh, we need to get your attention. So he told his uh, classmate to start clapping. So you've got a whole group of kids clapping <laughs> as I was passing <laughs> And I was like, shh, 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 you're going to get in trouble. <laughs> but my colleagues came to me and said, what did you do? And I said, I didn't do anything. I literally just walked past. And then they started clapping. And they were like, well, that shows that they actually like you. Because I'm, I'm kind of a chill teacher. So when, if you're, if you're, not, if you're not annoying, if you're not rude, then we're good. And we can have fun. We can have jokes. Sometimes we do have um, roasting battles with the students. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a lot of fun. But um, so they remember that. And I think that's the thing, because the way you treat people, that's, that's the key. Just be nice. You don't know. This is not even being nice. It's about have a true connection with them. And then once that's there, people remember. People remember how you treat them. People remember how you felt about them. People remember how um rude you were to them yeah yeah some people are able to see past it as in um if someone is rude to me i'll say okay actually what happened in that during the day right this is not personal to me mm-hmm. so what happened during the day but that kind of came with the fact that i'm a teacher and i don't even like saying the word i am a teacher i work as a teacher <laughs> but it's something you learn you see through behavior i'm i'm interested then the thing i wanted to ask about K1 and K2 was you said that they're they're on the same level to you. And just thinking about like the different kinds of connections we have with people and and how in kink we get to act out these like roles, right? As you say, they're on the same level. I know one is your puppy. And as a handler versus as a master, is that a different way of dealing with him that you've learned? Um, I'm kind of giving out my secrets here. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, but um, what I meant is that the K1 and K2 are on the same level. Mm-hmm. They are on the same level. I'm the head of the household. So there's still some kind of, there's a subtle difference between us. In some social circumstances, we're the same. But when we play, I'm still in charge. So um, for me, when it comes to any kind of sub-dom relationship, I like to find out, and this is weird, but it's very similar to being a classroom teacher. I need to find out what you really enjoy to reward you. Mm. And I need to find out what you really hate to punish you. Now, now, you're blushing. <laughs> So, for instance, uh, I, I can tell you one of them. Like for me, K two, K two craves, or at least he needs attention, like a real puppy. Mm-hmm. So, really big punishment for him would be to be ignored. Mm-hmm. So that's how you reestablish the dynamic. I'm in charge. <laughs> You're very quiet. <laughs> I'm just. I'm just. <laughs> 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 
Yeah. I'm just so hot I'm and just, red and <laughs> stop. <laughs> Am I making you feel uncomfortable? No. Um, you, know, you know, like being... Um... <laughs> the eye, there's a there's a puppy <laughs> puppy itches that, like, I have that, like... K2's very good, because he's very similar to me in that he's very switchy, and he likes taking charge, but then he also likes it if... Oh, yeah. Okay. <sighs> I like fighting. I, I... But that's, that's part of the fun. But then, of course, having... Someone in charge. There that's, is that's part of the fun because because uh, without it, I don't think it's fun. I like if if a pub or a sub came and said, "Oh, I'll do whatever you, you say," I, I don't feel the energy thing. Uh huh. I so yeah. I need to be broken. Like I like to be. I like to see what the limits are and test them, and then. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, I'm very observant. So for me, when someone loses the ability to speech, <laughs> that means that you hit a button. Because it's one of those things and it's, it happens with K1 and K2. When they can't speak, they're like, oh, okay, they're in that space now, and <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, yeah. So for me, that's that's how I manage behavior, and because without rewards, in in some ways, you if you don't if if you never get encouragement and rewards, then it's kind of it, you lose your um, motivation if you always punish. But if you never punish, then you're like, oh, I can get, I can do whatever I want. Hmm. <laughs> oh, this this guy is too soft. Oh, uh-huh. I need someone stricter. Oh, mm-hmm. oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then you end up um, meeting this uh, really uh, almost crazy dumbass. We thought about what I want. <laughs> <laughs> see, I'm enjoying. See I'm enjoying like practicing what as a dom works. For me, and there is really, really, really nothing. I, I, I really don't get how anyone can think that that's what it's about. Because kink no, is never about one person, and your job as the dom is to facilitate the subs' needs, but also give them the rules and the structure. And it's up to them to say when something's too far and make it stop. It's up to you to like figure that out and make that happen. It's all a negotiation and a, and a communication and a. It's two people, man. Yeah, both sides will need to get something out of it. Otherwise, it's just not working. Um, there's also been there's also been cases of uh, subs knowing their power and going, "Oh, I'm gonna make you do all my fantasies," which is not good either because yeah. they're not there just to do your fantasies um, unless it aligns with they, what they want to do, but. I think some doms become these kind of dictatorship. Yeah, it start. It ends up being a dictatorship when they feel like they've been used or they've been used in the past. And I think it's a reaction to that as well. Um, they've been used to to feel to tick all the lists of what the subs wants to do, and they don't feel accepted as people mm. behind the role. So I totally understand that too. So, 
There is so much that we carry around. And I think it's really interesting the way that kink is a great way to work through things. And sometimes that's very negative because the forests of our mind are so like dense that once you've cut a path, it's really hard to cut another one. It's just so much easier to go. And so we can repeat really negative things and we can take that into our relationships and into our play. But then kink is also allows us to be very honest about that and confront that and act out things that are kind of extreme in a safe way and then kind of get through things that I think a lot of people just let fester or don't talk about or mm. it manifests in an unhealthy way that never gets resolved. So I kind of like that double-edged sword of we're doing this extreme stuff and so sometimes that means the emotion we bring in is unhealthy, but then we can also work through it and we can play with it. We can play with the unhealthy thing. That's why I like um, consensual non-consent play. I get to act out being essentially victimized in a safe way. And that's really cathartic and fun for me. I get to, I kind of think of it as like when animals play, they are like pretending to fight, but it's not real, you know? But I think it's uh, it's, it's the case of uh, a lot of people uh, who are gay or bisexual or trans. It's that kind of... Um, Get into that place where you're in connection with who you you feel you are, who you actually are, and use that as a, as a direction for anything you do. And kink, it as as much as it's a, it's a practice, it's something that people do. But for me, for instance, I think like it's, it's part of me. So it's it it can be used as a tool, as you said. Uh, I agree completely to kind of solve a trauma that you had before and kind of own it. But that's been the case in many in many ways uh, with uh, gay people in general, because you know the term faggot, for instance. Some people like to include it in play because it's to kind of say, "Oh, right. I'm saying it in a safe place now," and yeah. you, you know, it's not the same impact as that he had before, and uh, the the energy behind it is not the same. Now, I was going to ask what that experience then was for you, because. For me, sexuality was never something that I like saw my saw for myself. Like I never really connected with the idea of sex or 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 gender or, or bodies or anything like that. And so those labels to me became very loaded and I wasn't sure like where I fit in with those. But it, 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 that's just to say that like to me kink was everything. Did, but did you have kind of a concurrent thing where you had trouble with conceiving of sexuality and like then addressing it and coming out, especially like, I don't know where, at what point you moved out of Madagascar. Um, I moved when I was about 14. Right. So yeah, prime sort of. So right in the middle. Yeah. Um, I was, I think I, I was lucky in many, many, many ways. And I still am um, because that feeling of being rejected from by your family and never had to experience that. Um, my family thinks I'm weird. <laughs> They're correct. <laughs> but in many, many ways, and I can see it in the way my cousins and my brother kind of interact with me. They're like, well, what, what the hell? <laughs> but at the same time, it took me a very long time to kind of be okay with it and mm. say, yeah, I'm weird and I do all this weird stuff. And actually just expressing who I am and it's fine. And 
I'm okay, you know, I don't really care that much about what people think about it. But um, it, it takes a while to get to that point. Um, my experience coming out was actually a, a positive one and kind of a re relieving one in so many ways because um, originally I, I planned on telling my mom, I think he, I was about 26, and I went to Madagascar that year uh, on holiday for a wedding for a cousin as well. And I was planning on telling my parents then because I didn't want to do it on the phone. It turned out that in the meantime, they were separating, they were not talking to each other then. And um, sadly, we lost um, one of my first cousins just before that. So that added to it. Yeah. And I was like, this is going to be the last straw. They're going to jump from a bridge, you know, this, this is really not the right time. So very heavy um, hearted. I came back to the UK, not telling, not having told them anything, but I, I, I had a breakdown then. I was like, you know, I can't deal with this anymore. I can't deal with the questions when I'm going to visit my family and friends, you know, we're having dinner or lunch and they go, oh, you know, so where's the girlfriend or things like that. Every time that question popped up, it was like someone stabbing me in the back and then kind of twisting the blade. So I was like, okay, I can't deal with it anymore. I have to tell the truth. So I told my mom on the phone and she was extremely supportive. She said, oh, you know, I'm a bit disappointed that I'm not going to get my grandchildren from you, which, I mean, ultimately is not impossible. But, um, but, you know, I still love you the way you are. So I was like, oh, you know, tears down. And uh, so I was like, I'm so lucky. And then I felt guilty about it afterwards because I found out that she cried for a month every day. But she never told me that. Um, it's through people that uh, I knew were friends with her who told me that. So, yeah, it, it was not easy for, for her. Uh, but um, she did it. And... Um, so that was kind of the story of my coming out. And then as soon as she knew, she, I think, I was kind of hoping that she would tell everybody. Uh, <laughs> oh, you're she hoping didn't. she'd do it for you. God, I got <laughs> No, she didn't. And, and she told um, that they're the closest people to us. Mm -hmm. So like my auntie that I lived with in Paris, she told her. And uh, as soon as she found out, she called me. And she said, are you okay? And I said, oh, I'm okay. Which is really sweet because not something that she normally does. <laughs> but she had, I think she had a, hot, uh, a soft spot for me. And uh, she said, you know, don't worry about it. And um, to be honest, uh, I, I already kind of knew. <laughs> and I was like, uh, wait a minute. Yeah. So if she knew, why did you not tell me? And she said something very sensible. She said, well, you know, it's kind of um, it's kind of difficult because if I asked you, oh, by the way, are you gay? And you weren't, then it would have been a really awkward conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so she said, yeah, it's better coming from you. And I was like, oh, that makes sense, yeah. actually. Do you know what else? I think it's really, really beautiful that even though your mother did struggle at first, she didn't put that on you. That mm. even though it was hard for her, she still put you first. And I think that is like, you, you can't control how love. you're going to feel. Yeah, that is mm. exactly, yeah. That, that is love and that's what it is. Um, and she was, very, I mean, the way I saw her, she was very strong as well. So yeah. 
in many, many ways and and always fashionable at it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I remember this this is crazy. Um, my brother uh, got us to go with them on holiday after their wedding, a religious wedding, because they had been married for like three years before that. Mm -hmm. But they wanted to do a religious wedding. It's, you know, it's a good practice. I want to say good practice, but it's kind of common for people to go back to Madagascar and then have a sure. big wedding and yeah. blah, blah. And then they said, oh, you know, we already had our honeymoon, so why don't we go together on holiday? And so we did. And my mom was there. So as soon as we, uh, as soon as she got um, to the northern part of the the country, she became ill. And I was like, oh, this is shit. We're here for like a, a week and a half. And this is going to be what she's going to experience from this whole thing. In the end, we we had to get her on a flight rather than uh, taking the road again down because it takes about 12 hours mm -hmm. driving. And my brother took care of everything and we managed to get her um, an emergency seat on a flight because all the, all the flights were kind of pre-booked mm -hmm. by uh, mainly tourists, really. And... Um, there was no extra seats unless it's an emergency and she managed to get an emergency thing. But even then she needed to look good to get on that plane. <laughs> so she was like, Oh, so in my bag, can you check there's this and that? No, I want to wear that. And I was like, mom, it's an emergency thing. And she's like, so, so, I mean, it's still into good, look good. <laughs> and oh, mind my flowers, mind my flowers. <laughs> So I was like, you're, you're, you're not, you're something. <laughs> That's what I want to be um, when I grow up. <laughs> but I, I, I remember, I remember when we were kids as well, I was about 12, 13. And because I went to an international school, we could wear whatever we wanted. There was no uniform. And so my mom made it her task and she really liked it to dress us up, me and my brother. And we'd go to the tailor and she'd pick the fabric and she got the tailor to make this um, short sleeve shirt and matching shorts, like the same fabric. And that was my style when I was at school and I had like a, like a fisherman hat. And it's, it's basically shortage nowadays. <laughs> but <laughs> me being a, being a teenager, I was like, oh, this is all... I'm like put on the spot. I don't like yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But looking back now, I was like, I was ready for shortage. <laughs> you were ready for break. Exactly. I, I was wearing uh, these leather sandals. Awesome. <laughs> Strappy sandals. And I was like, Of course there was leather. Of course there was yeah, leather. Exactly. <laughs> and I had this huge leather leather bag, like cowhide. Uh -huh. And the reason why my grandma bought it because I used, I was raised by my grandma was that she was like, oh, this will last for a few years. Mm -hmm. And it does. It does last for a few years. So that's, it was kind of um, an economical decision. But at the same time, I was like, well, I love this. It's got compartments. <laughs> but you can imagine how much of a target I looked for bullies. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I, like, oh. I kind of want to bully you. Like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Try me, bitch. Anyway. Okay. So <laughs> So, um, and <laughs> sit, sit. 
that worked. Anyway, so I had this uh, on top of my look, which was already kind of uh, outstanding, as I, I would say. Um, my grandma used to make me tea. And I had this flask, and the top of it uh, would unscrew, uh, unscrew, and then you could turn it into a cup, and you could have tea. And <laughs> I was 14. This is literally like a call to be bullied. Uh, and at first, I was like, oh, well, do I have to bring this? I'm just, but uh, she'd, knew, she'd know if I didn't bring it. So she was, she was quite strict. I was like, okay, fine, whatever. So I, I brought it. And then sometimes kids would ask for tea. And if they're my friends, I give them the tea. And if they weren't, I said, no, go away. <laughs> but can you can imagine me at 14, dressed like that, with the tea thing? Wow. <laughs> and I was like, oh. But now, looking back, I was like, oh, so Now you'd cool. be the coolest kid. <laughs> now you'd be the coolest kid. Okay, I'm just looking at the time. We have to wrap up. Yeah. But first, I gave you homework. <gasps> Which is kind of uh, unusual. It should be the other around. <laughs> I have to do it too. <laughs> What's your yay for today? So, doing Pride, uh, and I remember it vividly because... Uh, London Pride, I marched. I always try and march every year anyway. And there's a part where you interact with the audience and well, the audience, the people who are there. And uh, what I normally like to do is to give high fives. Mm-hmm. And there was this mother and um, her child who was probably about 13, 12, 13. And I noticed that she had some kind of disability because half of her face was kind of lower than the other. Mm-hmm. And I gave her a high five. And I could see that smile going up the other way around. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa. It, 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 felt, it felt real. And it felt like you have that connection. And I was like, I made that kid smile by just giving her a high five. Oh, this is really man. cool. That's awesome. And, and he was so genuine. It felt really kind of warm and genuine. So I was like, oh. Because sometimes people smile, it's a bit uncomfortable, yeah, put yeah. on the spot and things. But but in this instance, it really felt like, oh, oh they gave me a high five. It's Aww, cool. That's uh, yeah. so lovely. Okay, mine is really superficial. See, I did my homework. <laughs> well, my homework's super, <laughs> like, uh, bloody superficial because i was gonna <laughs> say oh well i just got back from tuscany and it had a really nice time <laughs> and and to which uh, to which i would uh answer you didn't even invite me bitch it was a wedding <laughs> i was i was the plus one i already like wasn't but also it was my partner's friend who you know like it's really really lovely that they invited me but i was also like Look, I'm a last minute addition. It doesn't matter. Like, you can just, I don't have to do all the stuff. Like, I'll just stay in the, like, whatever. It's fine. Like, I'm super chill. And she's like, no, no, no. We have to find a place for you at the table and we have to, blah, blah, blah. So it was really lovely that they involved me. And I mean, under the Tuscan sun, like, I could not complain. I was just drunk the whole time. It was great. <laughs> so mine's a very selfish shame, like, but I just had a lot of Sounds like Italy. Time. I mean, well, no judgment. No judgment. You had anyway. a good time. That's important. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, where can people find you online? They can find me everywhere. No, uh, <laughs> I'm on Instagram. On Instagram, uh, okay. it's HTSY Music, uh, which is a mixture of music and kink and leather and 
everything. Um, and then the usual recon as BL Kaiser and on Twitter as well, BL Kaiser one. So yeah, that's pretty much it. Nice. And you'll find me in Soho in leather. <laughs> <laughs> just smell the leather and follow the. <laughs> just smell. Yeah, just smell. <laughs> and as always, you can find me on Twitter at T Stoter. Uh, thanks for doing this. I'm. I might go back to bed. I'm still fucking knackered. <laughs> uh, excuse me. You're not allowed. Okay. You woke me up. Sorry. You woke me up early, <laughs> and now you want to go back to bed. I don't think so. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> oh, that works, didn't it? <laughs> and join us next week as we go on big guys, Barney here. I just want to take a quick moment to talk about the program that brings the big top to life, Zencaster. I use Zencaster for all my recordings, and since taking over the big top fully, I have actually tried other systems, but I ended up sticking with Zencaster. It's so easy to use. You don't have to download anything, just log in using your browser and start recording a high-quality podcast right away. It records studio-quality sound and up to 4K video with guests, along with a full suite of professional tools that let you produce and publish all from one dashboard. Being a creator has genuinely never been easier. And I love that I can send a simple link to my guests and we can record over a video call wherever they are in the world. Also, if you're like me and cannot stand the sound of your voice, Zencaster's built-in post-production process makes such a difference. It automatically removes ums and ahs, awkward pauses, reduces background noise, and makes me sound so much better. Plus, the hobbyist and Creator Plus accounts are always free to use, and their professional accounts are free to try for 14 days, no credit card required. Go to Zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use my code BIGTOP, and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. I want you to have the same easy experience as I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story.